Hello, and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast with me, Danny Champion, my little music industry podcast where I get to chat to a bunch of people in the music industry, about the music industry, about their jobs, about why they do it, about how they do it, and anything in between. This week's episode is a conversation I had with James Cooper, uh, founder and director of Rocket Science Music. Um, I know James from Sony ATV, now Sony Music Publishing. Uh, James was the head of Sync there and was there worked there for about 11 years. Before that, he spent time in music sales, now known as Wise Music, in the Sync team there. And before that, he spent time at Grand Central Studios, Saatchi and Saatchi, and at MTV. So his entire career has been spent in and around the television, advertising, and music industries. Um, and so obviously, our conversation was very much about sync, synchronization, music publishing, and anything and everything that relates to that side of side of the industry. Um, it was great to catch up with James. I hadn't seen spoken to James for a while, um, actually since he had moved on from Sony and set up Rocket Science Music. Uh, he talked very openly about uh, his time at Sony, but also about what he's up to at the moment with his own endeavor. So I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with James Cooper. How are you, sir? Since last week's boat, how was last week, um, beginning of the year or end of last year? I can't remember now. Well, it uh, well, so we did. It was a couple of months ago. A couple maybe? of months ago, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously uh, you know as we're recording, sort of a year of lockdown and the crazy, crazy sort of year of twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. But yeah, all good. Thank you. How are you? Tired. <laughs> you're tired because <Yeah. laughs> you've got a very good reason to be tired yes yes yeah i guess i guess how do you find now now that you've uh now that you're working from home yeah. uh, and not necessarily because of lockdown but since leaving sony mm. and starting up your own thing uh, and we'll come we'll loop back around to time at sony and music sales sure. and things like that but how did how have you found the shift kind of work-life balance um, with freelancing, being your own boss, working from home, that sort of thing, as opposed to, you know, I get up, I commute, I go into work, I have a boss and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I think sort of a few months into, you know, the first lockdown or first part of the lockdown, I mean, it's all blurring to one now, so I'll just say lockdown. you know, I, I guess it was kind of like the novelty factor and, and I, I was sort of working for myself and uh, I still am, but you know, I was, I was kind of like, this is quite new. And then I think recently it's sort of what I miss. And I think a lot of people have been saying this as well. And everyone's in the same position, obviously, is, you know, going to going to a place of work, you know, talking to colleagues, that sort of, you know, sharing ideas, all that sort of stuff. So but then I have to remind myself that we're all in the same position. So it's kind of hard to sort of, you know, is this because I'm doing my own thing? But I think once things open up properly and, 
you know, I'll, I'll probably look to get a, a little bit of office space somewhere, you know, desk right. chairs, just to give me that kind of, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it was kind of a good time and a bad time to start a new business, I suppose. But actually, in a, in a funny way for me, it's worked really well because, you know, without getting into sort of details, but my overheads are really low. You know, it's just me and the, my computer, my desk at home. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of worked out in that way. So, but I, I definitely miss, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of interacting with people, um, you know, face to face again and, and, and sort of meetings and, and getting back into, I miss Soho. I haven't been to central London for, for a year now pretty much. And, you know, that's kind of strange, but yeah, I'm not rushing to, I'm not rushing to get back on the train at seven or eight in the morning and, you know, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah. I guess it's it's an interesting one because I'm I'm desperately trying to to talk as little as possible about 2020 2021. Yeah, let's move on from that. The, yeah. the the pandemic side of thing, it's it's an interesting thing to talk about, but it it's a very specific. You know, it dates the conversation quite specifically. Yeah, exactly. It's not something that we're going to have to deal with for decades. But you know, it, you know, it might look back around. We might have to learn from it. I thought, well, we know we won't. Might have to. We will have to learn yeah. from it. So we're not quite as knackered as it has been. But you know, <laughs> I'm I'm coming from a place of I've always gone into an office. I've always worked with people. I've always had tasks given to me by superiors in in yeah. certain ways. You know, at, at peer music. I didn't have a direct line manager. It was the managing director. So you kind of have a bit of autonomy, but you still, you know, there's a company above you kind of going, right, we need you to, to hit this target, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I guess one of the things that I'm still getting used to mm. is, is the, the freelance-ness. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, the, the teaching stuff, there's still very much a, I go into a building, I do a thing, it's task orientated, I've got deadlines, I've got things to hit. Everything sure. else is kind of, it's up to me. Yeah. And that's what I guess I'm, I still find quite tricky that, you know, it's, it's me that's got to set those tasks. It's yeah. me that's got to set those deadlines. And I'm not very good at it yet. How have you found yeah that i mean side of things it was definitely uh it was definitely a kind of period of getting used to that and i was so conditioned after you know working in an office for well my whole career pretty much um it's been office based i started in film and tv production which was completely different running around on film sets and stuff but um you know we can come back to that but um but yeah i'm so i'm so used to i was kind of like used to going in like the sort of flow of the day you know having a coffee looking at your to-do list sending you know a lot of it obviously is about emails and, and, and working in sync you know lots of sync requests coming through all that sort of stuff but so i had to sort of get myself out of that mindset i guess of like sitting down at a computer and uh, you know uh, right you need to do this and that and it, so i guess it was adapting how i worked and what, what i realized is and yeah like you say it's, i'm still learning is 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 using your time in a different way and, and being a bit more smart with your time and kind of and now actually the last couple of weeks it got really busy so I'm having to sort of prioritize again and like a bit like I did at Sony you know with the sort of the, the to-do list um but I think it's yeah it's it's, it's 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 a different it's a different beast isn't it it's different it's a different way of working um and also the the kind of it can be a bit feast or famine you know suddenly you've got loads of loads of things on and and then suddenly it goes quiet and that's a bit strange because obviously when you're working for a company you, you I don't know if you used to do this at Peer or whatever at Sony but you kind of you know, use that time to do other stuff but if 
you know, if it's just you, it's kind of like, oh God, it's gone very quiet. So it, I guess it's, it's adapting to that kind of, yeah, that difference in the flow of how things are sort of, you know, how you do things during the day. It's the, there's a, I guess the, the biggest shift over mentally for me anyway, was the idea that for a company, I'm always getting paid. I have a salary. Yes. So just everything that I'm doing is bolting into that paycheck that I'm getting at the end of Under the month. Blanket. Whereas, as okay. you pointed out, feast or famine, it's uh, yeah. you're bringing in the, the work. And if you don't bring in any work, you're not bringing in any money. Exactly. And, you, you know, it gives you that little bit more flexibility and freedom when it I comes to, that, you know, uh, if you need a, a long weekend, you can yeah. take a long weekend, but it probably means that you might have to work a weekend or work evenings and things have you found that have you found the kind of the work life shift as are you taking your work home that little bit i'm 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 literally working so yesterday i basically worked you know the whole day you know just back to back kind of meetings like zoom meetings like doing stuff a few music briefs came in you know and that's great obviously because you feel like right i'm doing stuff but you know it was i you know I, i worked a lot more intensely i'd say it was like there wasn't i didn't have a break i didn't you know everyone else is outside in the sunshine for their lunch break i was in here sort of working and you know that's great because you know i prefer to be busy but i think that's different you know you you kind of yeah like you say you're when you're on a on a payroll you're kind of you're there to do your job and you do it but you also you know you can get to go out at lunch to the gym or go go to the shops or go for lunch or whatever you know so so that's been different and i think the other thing is i don't know if you found this but kind of you know the sort of prospecting or looking for new work or you know so a lot of the a lot of the the time is spent speaking to people or you know do you need anything or kind of just catching up with people um so it's balancing the kind of stuff you're doing that you're not getting paid to do uh, but that could lead to being you know paid work uh, so if something then comes in so recently i've, I've taken on a, a new a new sort of client for consultancy and it's taking a lot of my time so i'm kind of balancing the the other stuff that i'm doing so so I think it's it's just a different yeah it's, it's it's a different sort of way of working and and I've enjoyed I tell you what I I love being my boss um, but I, I do miss I, I miss you know I really love my time at Sony and uh, you know I was there for eleven years I miss working for you know big catalogue and and you know having all that the sort of I guess the the comforts of a you know a nice cushy office and all that sort of stuff but. But I love working for myself. I love making the decisions myself and going with my gut instinct, which I guess, and this is no slight or kind of, you know, against Sony, but a big company, obviously, if you have an idea, you usually have to run it up the, you know, the sort of the food chain a little bit to see if it, you know, if, if you can go ahead and do it or you have to have things um, kind of signed off, I guess. Whereas now I'm like, should I do this? Yeah, I think I might do that. <laughs> and then I'll go ahead and do it. And if it's wrong, I'll learn from it. If it's right, then, you know, great. So... And, and actually, I had a lot of autonomy at Sony. I was very lucky. Um, you know, the sync department was kind of, and probably still is, given great kind of autonomy to sort of be out there and meeting people and, and sort of speaking to, to clients and all that. And um, uh, so I was very lucky. So, um, but I do enjoy, yeah, like I say, being my own boss in, in, in that respect. The current endeavor, Rocket Science Music, is yeah. kind of a mixture of what's kind of is it all sync 
focused consultancy and music supervision work or is are you kind of doing there's a little bit of music supervision and sync focus but then there's some kind of more general music publishing rights management stuff yeah. in there yeah so when I, when I set rocket science up I, I was kind of I didn't want to be just a, a music supervisor or just you know go straight into back because that would be the obvious thing for me to do that's how I got into sync is from that side um, but it made sense. It's like, you know, I've been, you know, I came up through sync, uh, on the creative side, pitching music, all that sort of stuff. So it sort of made sense, but obviously that was definitely something I wanted to, to, to offer to clients. Um, so there's three things that rocket science sort of currently does. Um, it's the music supervision. So I've got some clearance going on and some, you know, some creative search, all that sort of stuff. Um, then there's the, uh, I, I rep a, a nice little roster of, uh, independent, uh, labels publishers artists and songwriters for sync um so that means i you know i don't i'm not their publisher or their label or distributor but i rep them for sync so i try and get them sync opportunities mm -hmm. and that sort of it sounds like such a cliche but that kind of happened quite organically i kind of took on a, a band called the skinner brothers uh and from that other things sort of came and i thought yeah yeah i'll keep it nice and boutique and sort of keep a handle on it and it's grown to, you know, quite a big, nice little sort of roster now. Um, so there's that side of it too. And then there's the consultancy. So that is, that's probably been what I've concentrated on most just because it sort of happens quite naturally. But people, uh, whether they're startup music publishing companies, artists, songwriters, labels, you know, coming to me and asking for my consultancy to sort of give them um, advice or, you know, sort of my take on, yeah, it, could, it usually is about sync and publishing because that's where I've spent most of my career uh, concentrated on. Um, but I have other people as well that I can bring in and, and sort of, so, I, you know, for instance, I've got an artist, uh, an Icelandic um, artist and composer, uh, and then what he needed from me sort of came to a, a nice sort of conclusion, but there was someone else I, I could bring in to help him with his sort of artist side and his marketing. So, so, so rocket science is kind of like a full kind of service on that, on that respect. Um, um, you know, I'd love to have some, some sort of rights in the future, but currently, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, there'll be a full strand, but currently it's that kind of focus. So, so the majority of my time in this is pretty much a year today, actually, uh, since I left Sony has been the consultancy, and then I, I really like working with artists and songwriters so that the sync rep works really well. That, that feels like a natural progression from me being a, a, a publisher. And then I love, you know, I love doing the supervision stuff as well. So, so it's a nice mix, you know, I can basically mm -hmm. offer all those things. Uh, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's not one thing or the other. It's, it's a sort of, it's a, you know, a, a nice sort of few options for people that, if they need my services. And the, I guess the, the, the key question, um, without going into specific details yeah um, whenever you're coming at at this world as a consultant uh, yeah. there is a fine line between you know getting paid and not getting paid so yeah. um, have you landed a nice tidy way of making sure that it is paid work that you are getting and you're getting that quickly have you had to draw a line in the sand to say right if if you're going to engage with me these are the terms and conditions and without you getting on side thank you very much for your time but no thanks have you actually had to be quite strict with that that's a good question because yeah i mean i guess there's, there's a lot of blurred sort of lines when it comes to conversations i've had and all that sort of stuff but no actually mainly everyone you know i think most people will 
who I've worked with have, have come to me and said, look, we'd like to engage you as a, as a, your services as a consultant, uh, you know, and then it's like, how much do you charge? And, and then it's quite sort of, you know, okay. what's the word defined. So that's been quite good. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the sort of person that if someone calls me and says, look, can I have your advice on something? Um, I'm not going to go, Oh, have you, do you want to see my rate card before we start this call? But well, you do, you do have to be careful though. Cause I think, you know, you don't want to be sort of, especially when you are a consultant, you don't want to be kind of, you know, just giving your, your time for free and all that, especially when you get busy. So I think it's, yeah, mostly I've been very lucky. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with, like I said, I've worked with super startup kind of publishing kind of companies. Um, I've been working with established companies. I've, I've helped um, for a few months with Kastner Music, who are wonderful, you know, wonderful company and catalogue, mm -hmm. uh, like 75 years of history to them. And, and that's felt really nice. Um, and then I'm working with a, a sort of distributor and a publishing admin company that's pretty much a startup. They've got big growth plans. So it's, it's really mixed and really interesting. Um, uh, but then there's, yeah, I've, I've had a few indie artists who just people that have contacted me on LinkedIn saying I need a bit of help. And, you know, uh, so it's, it's kind of very, but yeah, I've, I've never had to sort of uh, put the brakes on a conversation and, and slap them with an invoice, which is, which is but I can understand that that probably does happen. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really, I mean, I, you know, there's, there's a, there's a thinly veiled reason why I asked that question, yeah. because I have hit those roadblocks myself. Right. Yeah. Okay. That you kind of, when you are within that, that kind of freelance, I can provide a service for you. Um, yeah. And you don't want to suddenly go, right, well, I'm not going to take your phone calls for less than, and you know, oh, exactly. blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, there I've was. There. The, the... Sorry to interrupt the, the Zoom to cut out a bit, but so what I've learned there, I think is, um, yeah, I think it's just, and this is not me telling you, like, but what I've learned personally is just clear parameters, just like, yeah. I'm happy to have this call um, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk things through, but you know, if you want me to start the work then, and that's what I learned from, I've got friends that, you know, work in advertising or, you know, graphic design, all that sort of stuff. And those kinds of industries where freelance is quite prevalent, obviously. And it's like, yeah, I'll give you a, a kind of an idea of what I could do, but I'm not going to, not going to design your webpage for you without, you know, getting, so it's kind of that, I think it's that yeah, yeah, yeah. as long as you, you, you're you kind of firm, but fair and just like, right, this is, this is how much I charge. I'm happy to have this call, you know, 20 minute, half an hour call to tell you what I'll be talking to you about, but I'm obviously not going to, um, but yeah, I, I think I've probably just been a bit fortunate in that respect. I've had mm -hmm. a few people book in sessions with me um, and then like not turn up or, you know, uh, so I learned early on that you kind of make sure you get the, you know, the fee first, especially with online stuff, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, like, you know, you book, you're booking my time. So, so it felt weird because, you know, a rights holder, you, did, you know, or another job, you, you, you invoice afterwards once the work, for work's finished. But, but things like that, I guess, yeah. And I just... I'm quite straightforward. I'm just like, look, this is what it's going to be. You know, it'd be great to work with you. Like, let me know. And, you know, hopefully no one uh, has messed me around so far, but yeah, <laughs> I can imagine it happens. But it's, you know, it's, it's the learning curve of freelancing, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. It's when you don't have uh, that name yeah. above, above the door just yet, you've kind of got yeah. to build that and you've got to make those sorts of, difficult decisions the decisions that don't necessarily come naturally the stuff that you exactly. don't that doesn't necessarily come into your original thought your planning yeah I'll, I'll i'll provide all these great services and stuff and then you suddenly realize oh wait a minute i've got to, at some point get paid for it and yeah you know it's just that little things like that that you forget little about. things yeah 
and I think uh, I mean uh, a big company like Sony you know anything that sort of felt more into sort of a legal kind of remit I'd I'd go up and see the business affairs team or you know anything that was more kind of a and I'd go and see the a and so it's kind of mm. like now I'll be I'll be so I think you know the last year on the consultancy side I've because I, I like you I teach a, a publishing course as well so there's a sort of fourth side of what I'm doing at the moment um and when I started doing that a couple of years ago so I started that when I was at Sony um I I, I had to sort of obviously I've learned publishing through doing doing it and working in it but I had to learn about the sort of nitty-gritty a bit more um or refresh my memory uh so I spoke to you know the so, so colleagues at Sony about what they were doing in their departments but since I've you know become a consultant you're you're you know you're going in and giving your sort of uh, professional opinion on things you, you have to be kind of you have to keep keep up with what's going on and you have to know publishing yeah. a lot more in detail so that's been that's been great actually I've sort of kind of you know and I'm constantly learning and obviously publishing and the music industry is evolving even more than it has you know um what well, has been for 15 20 years but it's really evolving quickly at the moment mm-hmm. um so keeping across all the, the new stuff all the new conversations all the, all the you know, things that are changing in the music industry um whereas when i was at my job in sony and you know i was in the world of sync so i was kind of like really across that but i wasn't necessarily so you know across you know things like uh, you know royalty rates for songwriters from streaming services and and or, you know it was it, i knew that. that the conversation yeah exactly it was it was kind of Oh yeah, I'm aware of it from reading Music Week or Music Business Worldwide, but you know, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm not digging deep into it and scratching below the surface so much. So, yeah, so yeah. I think it's yeah, it's it's sort of uh, you know making sure I'm across things, and I would never you know claim to be a, a, an expert on everything because I think that's another thing I've learned is know your kind of <laughs> know your sort of strengths, uh, and if someone says to me, look, we need you to do, we need you to look at our you know our, our legal contracts and give us your opinion or we need you to and i'll be like well i i would probably not be best place for that but i have people that i can bring in and yeah. so i think it's things like yeah knowing your limits as well and, and your strengths and playing to those I, I think even more as a freelancer and as a you know self-employed is is, is important what well, has mm. i've found it to be You mentioned that you started life as a, a in TV production and advertising that side. So what what drew you to that? What was the what was the original plan many yeah. many years ago? Was it just I like watching television and so I'm going to start working in that <laughs> or was there something a little bit more specific going on? So I was, I like you, was uh, as a teenager, um, kind of long hair, kind of uh, lots of, uh, you know, Metallica t-shirts, you know, dark black jeans, sort of in a band, trying to be a rock star. And I went into, uh, so at sixth form, and, you know, to no, ex- no success, my band, it, we didn't even have a name. Uh, we were, we were rubbish, but, um, but we, we had spirit. Um, so I went into my careers advisor at six after uh, A-levels. And he probably just looked at me thinking, you just, yeah, you're just a, a, a you know, kind of waste of space. He said, what do you want to do? And I was like, uh, I want to be in the music, I want to be in a band, but I want to be in the music industry. And he, and he I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was basically along the lines of, have a bit, just lower the bar, son. You know, it's a really hard industry to get into. Look at you, you're like, you you're not going to wow. get into the music. Uh, and I'm not saying it was because of that, but also I wasn't- So motivational. 
Yeah, I know. Thanks, mate. Um, and because I wasn't classically trained in music, I, I never studied music. And I really regret that. I wish I had because I play guitar and I could have, you know, I could have learned music theory much better and, and not worried about it. So I kind of, I kind of, I guess I kind of took a step back from music thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm, I, I had this impression that the music industry is full of, you know, classically trained virtuosos. Um, <laughs> how wrong I was. But um, so anyway, the other, the other, my other love in life is, is film and TV. So I thought, well, screw you. I'm going to go and you know, try and get into another really difficult industry to get into. So <laughs> I was lucky. I was so lucky. I sent two CVs off. One was to a restaurant uh, to be a waiter near where I grew up. And the other one was uh, to MTV back in, the, you know, show my age here, but back when MTV, you know, used to show music videos all day and, uh, you know, it was sort of heyday a bit, really, the sort of early 90s uh, or mid 90s. Um, and I got the job. I got, I got a runner's job working on The Real World, which was kind of like the forerunner of um, uh, Big Brother. It was like a sort of fly on the wall documentary style TV show. Such a um, 90s television show. <laughs> such a, the way it was shot, the graphics, everything. Um, but I was like 18 in my element. I was like, I was probably getting paid peanuts, but I loved it. I was running around with the crew, like filming across London. Then we had the sort of... The, the the you know the film set itself where the, the the cast members lived um anyway so i kind of got i kind of got into film through through doing that and then worked on production for a couple of years but it, it just never i remember speaking to i'll keep this anecdote short but i remember speaking to a director of photography on a film shoot he must have been sort of my age now so sort of mid 40s and i said oh i really like cameras and i really like camera work and i like that side of it and he sort of looked at me and he said do you really love it though? He said, I'm sitting out here in the camera van. It's freezing cold. I've got to make the, the director. Uh, he was the assistant. Sorry. I've got to make the director of photography's coffee every five minutes. So you've got to really, really want this as a career. And it really struck me. I was like, no, I don't. I want to, I want to work in the music industry. So I was very lucky that from film and TV production, which I absolutely love working in and really have no regrets working in it, but it, it led to me working in the TV department, Saatchi and Saatchi for a summer. And that was like, yeah, amazing experience and, and, and sort of really taught me a lot. And that's when I found out what sync was and, and licensing music to, to ads and, and, and um, yeah, pitching music to ads. And as soon as I, I heard that was a, a job, I was like, hang on, if my career advisor told me that at 17 or whatever I was, I'd have gone, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. So it was, a, it was a, without sounding like a cliche, it was a light bulb moment. And, uh, and then I got a job at uh, Grand Central Sound Studios, which is an audio post-production um, place in Soho, one of the top, well, you know, one of the top studios in, in London for audio post specifically for advertising. Um, but they, had a, they basically had a, a sync and composition arm uh, and a sort of radio production arm. And the job was like my dream job at sort of, you know, in my early 20s, it was like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is amazing this is amazing so that's that's how i kind of found and discovered sync and got into it so i was very lucky i, I kind of or fortunate i'd say i, I you know love working film and tv production but um yeah I, I discovered my my true calling through that so i, I looped back around to what i really but there to was do. there was it was still yeah music was still very much at the at the the heart of of where you wanted to go from an early Absolutely. age even if you didn't yeah. necessarily do it the traditional the traditional route i'm i'm very very curious you've obviously mm. you've worked with advertising agencies for what the better part of 20 years, 20 years 15 right, yeah. years now maybe 15 years um you worked in one 
for yeah. a summer. Mm. What, what, what insight did that little window of working at an agency like Saatchi and Saatchi give you? You know, I've, I've worked with advertising agencies, but I've never worked in one. Yeah. And so I can only, I can only see, I only see the kind of the window into an advertising agency from the perspective of a sync agent or a music supervisor. I don't yeah. see or hear the conversations that are happening at other times. The other side, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think, obviously it was, it was back in what, at the early noughties. So early noughties. Things yeah, might have changed a little bit. I think the, the, the advertising agency uh, you know, industry is different now to what it was back then. You, you, the big guns like Saatchi and Saatchi aren't necessarily as all-encompassing yeah. anymore. But what what it's are some of the both. conversations? Do do advertising agencies, you know, think as little about music as we believe they, <laughs> they believe they do? I think. It's a good question, and, and 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 to go back to your sort of first, or one of your first questions, yeah, it gave me great in, insight. And I think coming from film and TV production, where I did a little bit of syncing on that side as well, as in I had to speak to record labels and publishers, and boy, was it hard getting a <laughs> getting an answer out of them in the late nineties. But that we'll move on from that. But but yeah, advertising agencies. I mean, it was really interesting. So what what struck me and what I what I learned was from a when I went on to, into sort of working in sync departments, they get sent so many so many like not just music they get editors they get production companies post-production companies music companies library music companies active voiceover agencies all on their case like they, well, they're, they're all the time they're the end they're, they're the, the ones they want the chain aren't they exactly yeah so i remember that sort of the t so i worked in the tv department which is you know sometimes now the sort of broadcast or media department or you know content whatever they want to call it um but it was the TV and film department back then. Um, so the producers, basically, the, the, the people that, you know, produced the ads, made them happen. Um, and they would literally every day get, a, you know, a call from, a, from probably someone like me saying, can I come and have a meeting with you and, uh, you know, try and get you to use some of our music? So what I learned early on was, like, advertising agency people, and understandably, and, and now supervisors, I'd say as well, you, you can't hard sell them. You can't, if you keep badgering them and, and sort of hassling them and it, it, it's just sort of counterproductive so it's all about kind of what I realize is it's all about those relationships and it sounds like a cliche but it's totally true it's like getting to know people being a sort of trusted partner to sort of work with them um, if they need you and they know about you and you've done a good job for them they're going to come back to you so all that sort of stuff um, but then I, I guess working with the creatives was was interesting so I did a few like when they before they make an ad they'll do like an animatic or or a narrative sort of ad or something that basically gives the client an idea of what what the ad might be and we we see that a lot don't we when we get sent sort of music briefs that like this is not the finished film it's an animatic or it's just an animated version of what the ad might look like and i remember the creators you know they they i was like a production assistant they'd say right we need you to go to hmv and and find loads of music for us or we need you to find and the specifics to what they were looking at and it was kind of like the research side of uh, helping the creatives get their creative to a certain level and i really enjoyed that um but that was interesting to see how you know how they they were choosing their reference points how they were coming coming up with their ideas and how they were shaping the brief i suppose for them to then pitch to the client being the car or the, you know, the burger chain or whatever it is. So I thought that was very interesting. And, you know, the, the ad, I mean, Saatchi's 
obviously in the 80s and 90s was like the the name it was like a, you know everyone knew the name Sarchi yeah. so it still had that when I was there it still had that kind of feeling to it of you know a kind of uh, prestigious advertising agency uh, I'm not saying it doesn't now but uh, at the time it really had that um, but all the different departments all that stuff. so it was really interesting to see so you can see how hard it is to get a sync brief to win a sync brief so when I mean that I mean like pitching obviously the music for a brief that an advertising agency is looking for because you've got all those levels you've got the accounts team you've got the executive creative directors you've got you know the client and all these layers and that's what i saw as well as all the layers within the agency and then the client side um so you're doing well in sync if you if you get a brief and you pitch on it and you win that brief because you've got you've got so many layers to get through so i think it taught me that as well and and deadlines how up against it they are they're really up against it sometimes and, and sometimes like you say music is thought about at the last minute and I think that's changed the last five ten years maybe in advertising but when they think about it earlier on it usually has you know like a like a John Lewis you know they think about this core to their sort of their, their campaigns for the Christmas campaigns it you know it pays dividends so yeah it's very interesting insight <laughs> It's interesting to, to hear that that side of things. You kind of you can assume certain certain things from that. And I've always I've always been aware of just the astronomical amount of noise that you have to try and cut through Definitely. to get heard. And it's like, yeah, just if you send an email off on a Friday on a Thursday and you're expecting them to get back to you the following day, you're just you're in you're a delusional yeah. human being. It's about gradual, incremental. It uh, is. I mean, one of my, it's going back a few years now, but one of my successful, uh, well, the, the, uh, I've quite often asked, like, you know, how do you pitch music for advertising or, or not just for advertising, but for sync? Um, and what's, you know, what's one that you're most proud of? And I, I think the one I, I'm not necessarily most proud of, but I, I was really pleased with was, uh, it was for the 2012 Olympics, British Telecom um, campaign and uh, someone I used to work with a really really great um, sound designer at uh, Grand Central Munsey he just called me uh, out of the studio said oh, Coops can you come down to the studio we've got the creatives in because uh, I think I well no I've been at Sony three years so he knew I was there um, so I just ran around the corner to the studio uh, sat in there watched it you know without any music just a voiceover and then the creatives told me what they were sort of looking for and it just so happened that um, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds debut album was was just dropped that just before then and 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 they were really keen to get a sync on it obviously um so I said I think I might have just the thing so I went home uh, went home went back to Sony felt like home uh and in those days I used to sort of edit music to to sort of fit the the picture that I was working to you know so cut yeah. music to picture uh, on the old iMac and um yeah, I sort of sent it back and uh, yeah, they, they sort of, they were like, absolutely. And, and it just, it just so happened that it was the next single, I think. And it was one of those, the stars just aligned, you know, but if, if Munzee hadn't called me, the, the sound designer hadn't called me, you know, there's no way that I would have known, necessarily known that was going on. So you can't sort of, yeah. you're, 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 you can send a million emails and samplers and all that sort of stuff, but it's just, it, sometimes it comes down to a bit of chance, a chance conversation or someone that you know just phones you and you know and I, I was really pleased with that because they ended up using it and it was a, it was a great ad um well it worked really well the sync worked really well so 
you moved on to to music sales now known as wise music group yeah uh, kind of more of a classical focus not 100 percent, but it's quite a traditional classical music focused music yeah. publishing company after that you spent 11 years at sony music publishing now formerly sony atv and now you're working with for for better part you know much you know a lot of smaller indies uh, maybe even up emerging unsigned diy artists yeah is it that much easier when you are at sony when you've got noel gallagher's high flying birds new album coming out does it just take the pressure off that little bit knowing that you've got those names you know that you've got a catalog that i mean this is before the EMI, or well, I guess 2012 was around about the EMI. Around the time it hadn't been. Kerfuffle. Exactly um, yeah, but, yeah. you know, when, when I was at Sony, uh, which was around about the time you joined, Sony was mm. the smallest of the four majors. They didn't, they That's had right. about a million copyrights then. So it wasn't the kind of the gigantic thing that it is now. But it still had, you know, they were the company that had the Beatles. They had the Manic Street Preachers. They had you know there was some copyrights in there is it just that much simpler as a sync person when you've got that to fall back on i think i think what i think the principles and this is what i've found since yeah since i kind of started my own thing and working with like super small companies and with really small uh, catalogs and is that i think the principles are all the same what a big catalogue like Sony's and like you you know you rightly said when it merged with uh, EMI in 2012 um, Sony became the biggest publishing company what that gives you is you're you're going to be across a lot more of the incoming briefs and by that I mean supervisors sending you sync briefs advertising agencies film companies because they're going to go to a, a bigger rights holder like Sony ATV or Sony Music Publishing as it now is um, because they've got four million copyrights they've got four million songs they've got They've got, you know, songs that cover all genres. They've got new music, they've got back catalogue. So it's kind of like, yeah, obviously, if you're a music supervisor, you're going to send it to the, the big guys because they've got so much uh, catalogue. But I think it's not necessarily easier to win the briefs. Certainly not for, I think new music is, or, you know, music that is less known is harder to think uh, because I think certainly in advertising still, you know, the sort of go-to position is something that's at least got a recognizability about it or it's recognizable i should say um so finding those opportunities for new music i think is kind of a bit of a leveler really but i think what working at sony gave me and gives the sync team there is access and scope to a lot more opportunities because the incoming briefs will be far greater than you know some of the smaller companies and i don't know how some other supervisors work but maybe some don't send briefs around as much as they used to. So, so maybe if they know, right, okay, I'm a bit stuck here. I need some more ideas. They'll send it out to all the sync teams, uh, but they might not send it to, you know, the smaller ones if they need a specific thing, or they might only send it to the smaller ones if they need a specific thing. So to answer your question succinctly, yeah, I think it, it definitely makes it easier. And having, having uh, not necessarily easier, but it makes you be able to pitch on pretty much every brief that comes in at Sony, uh, for example, because you've got something for every brief. Um, but I'd always say, even if you were working at a small company, so when I was at Music Sales, now Wise Music, all the companies I've worked for seem to be changing, I don't know why, but um, changing their names. Um, you know, it, it was a, 
it had a nice sort of commercial catalogue and quite sort of quirky sort of back catalogue to it and it obviously had the big composer and stuff. So I'd always sort of try and pitch on things if I could. But if I couldn't, I'd just say, look, we don't really have anything, but thanks for sending the brief. Like, let me know on the next one you're working on. So I think it's far better to, if you're a rights holder with a limited catalogue, to, to have those sorts of conversations than just sending loads of stuff that's not relevant to the brief. So I think yeah. with Sony, yeah, obviously pretty much every brief we got, especially when we merged with EMI, there was there was something to send over so every brief you're pitching on basically so you're more likely to win something does it give you that little bit more confidence knowing that it's you don't really have to sell the company you know when you know yeah, I, yeah. I always think from from someone who who knows people who work in like the sync tip departments at the major record labels for example i've always felt mm-hmm. that it's like the easy easiest job is 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 the wrong way of putting it but you know if you re- if you call someone for the very first time and you say hi i'm calling from sony sony records yeah the chances are as long as you've got them at the right time they're not deep in something else they're probably going to take that call not because of you but because the fact that you're coming from sony records and you've got everything that the the, the business is doing whereas yeah. you've just you and so you can kind of you can go into that trust building with a sense of, all right, I've got something to support that supports me a little yeah. bit more. I always felt that that, yeah. was, that was something and that, that you kind of have to fight through that if you're coming at it from, from the independent sector where you're kind of having to, to promote and sell your brand as yeah. well as the music you've got with it. I think that awareness of, yeah, like you say, a big, a big record company, a big publishing company. I think publishing is interesting as well, because I think a lot of people don't necessarily really understand the difference or like, aren't you part of Sony Records? No, no, we're separate. Or, you know, so I had that conversation quite a lot. But, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting because it doesn't necessarily get you the meeting. Um, no. I, think, I think cold calling or trying to, that hustling, you know, hustling new business is, is hard. It, it was hard at Sony uh, when, I, when I was sort of creative manager there, sort of pitching, that's kind of what I did, pitching new business and all that sort of stuff. It, it didn't, didn't necessarily get you the meeting as such, but it probably was a little bit, yeah, like you say, it's a bit more of a calling card. I work for Sony ATV uh, as it was then, and we've got like Noel Gallagher's latest album. That's maybe quite, quite a good hook to have, but it's still, I think comes down to the yeah the sort of relationships you sort of you, you know your working relationships when you you know when you're working with someone on the sink you know follow that up with and you don't know them follow that up with a, a coffee or a, a meeting maybe or just you know it's it, it's it start building that i think it's far easier than uh, you know having like a, a hit list of 100 people to you know you know call during a week to kind of get a new business it doesn't really work like that and i know that maybe like production music works like that a bit more because they're they have kind of got a product they they they're either giving CDs or you know they quite often in the old days they'd like extreme uh, used to sort of send out presents and EMI would send out presents to clients you know they they do that sort of thing which works well for yeah. production music but the sync <laughs> and publishing and label it, it it's kind of a di- we didn't have marketing budgets to do that for a start but it was more the soft sell approach it was yeah samplers meetings you know if you win a brief, take them out for lunch, that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's more that kind of relationship building, networking kind of approach. Uh, so it, it definitely helps, I guess, if you've got more 
that you're going to likely be able to pitch and so that's where it helps but it doesn't necessarily open the door any easier it just might be the awareness like you say but um it's really tricky that's the tricky bit of any you know like i say i have worked uh, like you say i've worked at music sales which is a, a you know leading independent um i'm sure and then a leading major um they're basically the same principles from your experience and include kind of what you're doing now from the sync agency side of things. Yeah. Like the, the day to day, you know, nine 30 till six 30, what did it look like at Sony versus what does it look like at music sales or, or now with your, with your small roster or the work that you might be doing with, with the guys mm. over at Castor music? Well, like, you know, like, as you know, Sony, you know, has a sort of uh, people in the sync department that are creative and pitching some, some are sort of licensing. So some of it's reactive, some of it's proactive, the same at music sales. I was the creative manager there. So I, I didn't do any of the licensing. That was uh, uh, Susan Tilly, the legend that Susan Tilly. Um, um, and so I guess what I'm doing now is a bit of everything. And I'm, I'm kind of, so I just licensed one of uh, my sync rep uh, clients to a, a BBC um, a drama, which is fantastic. So, uh, you know, that's me kind of licensing uh, and helping license their music for the, the use in a, in a, a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing at Sony, I, I ended up doing both sides. So I did licensing and creative. Um, so I guess it, it's just I'm doing a bit of everything now. So I'm pitching my own rep stuff. I'm pitching other people's third party stuff. And then when it comes to it, it's at the moment I've got another a client I'm licensing third party rights for. So I've kind of, I've just basically sort of put everything that sync department does just into my own one person remit at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it's, it's like I say, it's all kind of the same principles. Um, it's just, I guess the resources, and this is why sync is such a, a kind of has been such a growing area and such an area of interest for rights holders is, particularly publishers is you know suddenly opened up 20 odd years ago many more writers many more artists were up for their music being used so certainly a company like emi and sony have to resource that and they kind of you know put more people into the team to make sure you're being proactive and uh pitching it but importantly kind of the most important thing is making sure you're getting back to people and licensing the music and and you know uh, and making sure sync deals uh, cross the line so so yeah it's i'm kind of taking those principles uh that i've i've sort of seen in action over 20 years and, and just applying it to my own uh kind of thing so for example my rocket science roster that i look after for sync i send out samplers um pretty much like the rights holders do you know i just do it the same basically i just that's what i know that's what i've been doing for 15 20 years um and i send out a link you know with a new releases or a theme playlist or whatever it is and i've just taken that same mentality or and same same way of doing things to a, a super small little you know uh, boutique roster and um so it's the same principles getting those you know getting the the songs the, the tracks out to the right people and hope hoping that you know uh, they work for what people are working on and, and I get the, you know, I get some briefs sent to me from other supervisors, which is great. And I pitch, you know, my roster on. So it's, it's kind of like just a, a mini version of, you know, the sync team at a major company. It's just at the moment, it's just, it's just me doing it. You met, you've, you mentioned this, 
earlier on about the kind of the changing way that the that supervisors work and one of the things that i guess that i saw that was the biggest shift and i kind of i was i I was maybe expecting it to to develop more than it actually has Mm. is is the area of giving supervisors giving music users more free access to catalog so uh, rather than them obviously there's always going to be a, a time when they're going to say right we need a music supervisor because, or we, we we need your expert knowledge of that catalog mm. but, you know, the, the biggest change from and it kind of started when i was up here and moved on was this idea of right let's just make our we'll get have our music available on search platforms give them a give them a login a bit like you know production music style yeah. stuff um and i was i was fully expecting spotify to come out with a like a business to business version because they've got all that catalog yeah. and is, is this something that you think is is still going to be or that's going to continue or is continuing to develop that from from someone who's repping catalog do you kind of do you want to be that little bit more passive in 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 promoting or not promoting but you know giving access to to the music do you want to say look it's there i'm going to just keep on reminding you that it's there but it's your job it's for you to have a listen to it's not my job to try and ram it down your throat is is that the best way of of going about it and finding the platforms that that can help that yeah so i mean i i use uh, disco now which i know is is very popular amongst um music supervisors in the uk and, and the us um and actually funnily at Sony, whenever you'd send out a brief from, you know, the, their own system, a lot of supervisors would say, can you just add it to our disco? So it's kind of like, uh, so now I'm on this side of things. So I, I use disco and it, it's basically what you've just described uh, and it has a, 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 an other, other, other software is available. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I'm not on the BBC, but, um, but uh, you know, so what, yeah, exactly. Um, but what is good is it's got this thing called library. So that kind of gives you exactly what you said, a kind of window into the catalogue that you represent. So it means people like production music libraries do it really well. As you say, you know, you can go in, search by mood, genre, whatever it is, your keywords, and then you'll get, you know, a whole load of tracks, you know, uh, audition for you that you can, you can see if they work and, and drop them into your session or whatever. Um, uh, so I haven't really started using that myself yet, but I can I can imagine that's because I think it's fairly new that sort of functionality. But I think it's really good. I think um, so. My my view on it, I think, is a bit like you want to make sure the music's available and easily discoverable. You want to be sending the music out um, and making sure it's you know it's right for the briefs that they're working. All the same things that I would be doing at Sony. Um, but I think I don't think there's any harm in in other people whether that's the supervisors whether it's the end users at an agency or whoever it is discovering the music because at the end of the day as a sync rep as a rights holder as a label publisher whoever you are you want that music used in at the mm-hmm. end of the day too so it's funny because when i was at grand central they, they, they had this um this sort of system there and they were looking at bringing ai into it and this is like you know 20 years ago almost now and i remember someone sort of jokingly said oh you 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 guys are going to be out of a job in a few years because this this machine does your job for you. And and I remember I was like, yeah, but maybe in the maybe in a few year, more years. But I think even with AI like it is now, I still think you need that kind of uh, curator over it, whether that's a supervisor or 
I think, so in answer to your question, I think it helps, whatever helps discover the right piece of music for what whoever is working on, uh, is working on. Um, I don't think that, that really sort of matters, but I think you still need, especially with sync, because there's no rate card and all that sort of stuff. So you need someone saying, will this clear for my budget? You know, I've got a TikTok campaign. I haven't got a huge amount of money. Yeah, you probably want to steer clear of, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones then. Or, you know, it's that kind of thing, which I, yeah. I can't imagine any, any AI getting its head around because that's all kind of, that's the sort of weird, wonderful world of, of rights, ownership and management and, and sync and all that sort of stuff. So from the, look, if I'm honest, that the pitching, and I say this to all the people I, um, you know, I rep, I'm very honest with people is like, look, I've been doing this quite a while now. I'm never going to make any promises that I will win you loads of briefs because you're up against the whole of the music industry. But what I will do is make sure it gets to the right people and I'll keep updating my mailing list. I'll keep sending it to the right people. I'll keep speaking. Uh, so anything that helps that music be discovered and helps my job, I think is probably a good thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a, sort of a blended model, I guess, you know, humans and computers working, working together. Well, I think, yeah, not, I think, you know, up. search algorithms, keywords, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But like whenever I'm talking to anybody about that, it's kind of, it's always thinking, you know, a, a track title is kind of meaningless in this world it's about the feelings it's about the moods it's about yeah. the, it, you know it's it's about more than that and that's where keywords and algorithms can become quite helpful especially yeah. when you're trawling through as you've pointed out all of music mm. yeah exactly um, you're going through everything it's like yeah you know, I, I remember up here you know having not an in not a, a small catalog but just not having the ability to search the catalog by anything other than track title and yeah. maybe genre. I was thinking right. we need to sit down and catalog this a hell of a lot better, but it's a it. big yeah. job takes ages. Uh, that's when sync tank appeared yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So that, that stuff is, is happening more and more. podcasts called behind the business so it's kind of more about the the people and the motivations and how you you got through uh, a certain thing and i'm interested to find out from the from the person personal side of things mm. how does a merger between two enormous companies impact the people there when it's you know you're you're walking around thinking am i going to lose my job are they going to increase this department? They shrunk that department over there. What's going on here? So obviously, you know, it's not not necessarily interested about, you know, the mechanics of a merger, but rather mm. the personal side of that. It was a while ago now, and it worked pretty well for you um, in, you know, looking back on it. But how was it at the time? And was it, yeah. I'm guessing it was quite stressful. It was, it was kind of stressful, yeah. I mean... It, Look, I think it was interesting because I was—I think I was watching Mad Men at the time, and it was when the uh, the agencies merge in that, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is exactly—you know—it's just like it throws it threw everything up in the air, I suppose." Um, and it, I think the thing that was hard was that yeah, you saw colleagues come and go. Um, obviously, any merger—well, most mergers, or I'd say every merger—probably you know some people are unfortunately going to lose their job. Um, so that was kind of 
that was not nice to see. And, and I think no one in the company really likes to see that, uh, you know, even the, the people at the top don't really want to sort of, <laughs> obviously they're thinking about things in a business sort of way, but, but when you're the ones on the, the shop floor, it feels pretty, yeah, oh my God, this is awful. Like, you know, I've worked with this person for, for years and they're suddenly gone. Um, and then there was the sort of unease of, I think, because EMI was, is obviously such a great catalog, but was such an iconic company. I think there was such a sort of, a sort of, I guess, a feeling of sadness that it was sort of gone, you know, as a company. It was sort of, and I can, you know, I was from the Sony side, so I sort of witnessed that with my colleagues from the EMI side, sort of, oh, you know, we, but then, you know, it wasn't like, so Sony was a very different company, like when you were there and, and, and when I started, it was, like you said, it was like a, almost like a plucky upstart uh, underdog sort of major. <laughs> it was the uh, boutique major when it I was, was the there. Boutique major, it was a lot yeah. smaller than the other three. It was and a lot I smaller. Think, yeah, it definitely had, a, a, had that vibe to it didn't it different vibe yeah. to it than the rest of them yeah yeah and, and it, i guess it was it was a different time as well you know it was pre-streaming era and all that sort of stuff or well, streaming was just sort of you know creeping up i suppose but yeah sony had a, a kind of i guess it was a yeah it was much more it was less strangely less corporate i'd say um you know even though sony corporate is a huge corporation you know mm -hmm. sony atv at the time was much more boutique that's the right word so, you know what we're saying it felt like it, it felt very similar to to where i come from from music sales in a funny sort of way although music sales is obviously in wise music as it is now as a family family run and owned business but in terms of the day-to-day -day, it felt quite similar so i think when you had this massive iconic company of emi music publishing kind of coming in and um there was a lot of, yeah, I guess a lot of people were sort of looking over their shoulder thinking, is it going to be me? And, and that's not a nice feeling, but we, we were quite lucky in sync in the sync department because some people sort of came and went at that time anyway, not through the, you know, not through sort of the merger. Um, and because going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, you have to resource sync departments up, especially when you've got a massive catalog, it just yeah. kind of dust settled a bit. And there was, yeah, there were a few, you know, the team members that, had, uh, that sort, of were, sort of went, which was sad to see. But the sort of dust settled a little bit. But then it was like, and I won't get into this because this is obviously uh, not about the people, but mm -hmm. the processes and like, oh my God, your system doesn't speak to our system, all that sort of stuff took forever. But I think once, you know, once we were, once we were kind of into our stride with it, and I knew this, the guy, I knew Nick and Chris um, uh, from the EMI side, and I knew a few of the other guys as well. Because we, Sync, as you know, is quite a sort of, it's a small, kind of close-knit group of people really everyone kind of knows each other um so I know those knew those guys from before and and we just took the view of you know look you know let's see what happens here I'm not you know I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna be a dick about this you're not gonna be a dick about this and we and we just sort of we we made it work I suppose on that yeah. level but you know then you've got other other departments that were sort of you know th there was a lot more kind of I guess um you know people let go and all that sort of stuff so it wasn't nice. Uh, I don't think anyone likes that process. Um, but then it's amazing that, yeah, you kind of, I guess you just, you just move forward and, and you, you know, once the, once the new company um, was sort of in its stride, I think everyone was sort of looking forward. And then, then, you know, then now it's like Sony music publishing. It's not even Sony ATV and, and mm. a couple of years ago, you know, they bought the, the, the catalog outright and all that sort of stuff. So then it felt much more, one company but at the beginning yeah it's, it's uh it was a 
it was a very, I learned a lot from that process. And I, I think I just personally, if I'm bringing it right down to sort of me, how I sort of felt about it, I just felt like, well, it's kind of like, because Guy Moot was obviously running the, the UK company then. Um, so, you know, he came from the MI side, obviously. Um, so I was just like, well, yeah, I mean, he might think I've got my team. I don't need this team, but he, from, from the sync, you know, side, but um, it didn't work out like that. And it was, I'm glad. And I, you know, I, I really enjoyed sort of working with, you know, the Sony and the sync, uh, sorry, Sony and the MI sync teams together. So I think, we were quite lucky, like I say, um, that it, it didn't get that sort of brutal, but yeah, it was, it is what it is. I suppose it's fairly brutal in other areas. And I felt for people that lost their jobs. Cause, cause obviously mergers and companies being bought and sold happens quite a lot at the moment. It's feels like it happens a little bit more regularly now than, than ever before. Um, yeah. you've got more and more companies IPOing themselves and all that sort of stuff. Um, do you think now that you're out of that system, do you think you would be reluctant to go back to that kind of more corporate side of the business? I don't necessarily think I'd be reluctant to. Um, it would just be more down to, yeah, kind of, yeah, like we said early on in the conversation about, you know, being my own boss and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of I became, I suppose, much more, used to how a corporation or a corporate entity operates and it is a different it's very much more a hierarchical thing and, and kind of like you know you have to do things in certain ways and and you just kind of get used to that i guess so i mean maybe it would feel strange after yeah being my own, uh, my own thing but no I, I i really enjoyed my i you know i was sad to go i i you know i left on, on hopefully good terms and it was like <laughs> it was just um you know it was uh he <laughs> didn't walk out the building going <laughs> no, there was no like, there's no sort of security guard like hoiking me out of the building. But, um, but no, I, you know, I kind of, it just felt like the right time to go when I did. But would I go back? Yeah, I, I, I would, I would always consider, you know, kind of going back to that world. But I really enjoyed my time there. It just, it, I was ready for, a, I was ready for the next chapter, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like a cliche, but uh, I didn't realize the next chapter would be what happened, which was the, obviously, uh, the, the year that it was. <laughs> the apocalypse. Yeah. yeah, the apocalypse happened. Good, good, uh, good timing. But, but yeah, I think <laughs> you're right. These companies are buying and selling, and music industry is changing. You know, uh, hypnosis has changed, like kind of songs and song and publishing. Mm. So I think there's going to be a lot more buying and selling. So for anyone in that in that in that situation of mergers and acquisitions, I feel for you. If yeah, it's 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 just. I guess all you can do is 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 hope that you're, you know, they don't look at your department and like, right, you're out. And, and so it, I, it felt like I, I, I was, I was grateful that I, I came fairly unscathed through that, that kind of merger process um, as, as sort of unpleasant as it is to see other people lose their jobs, obviously. But I also understand that, I mean, yeah, it's the entertainment industry. It's fairly, you know, yeah, these big companies are going to buy and sell and, you know, it's yep. not just big companies, little companies get bought up and, and, mm -hmm. you know, so, I guess you've kind of got to prepare yourself for a little bit of that in the music industry, but you know. Last question. Sure. Your business now, you've got yeah. a consultancy arm, you've got a music supervision arm, um, and the sync agency side of things. 
understanding that this is this the answer to this question will probably change depending on the year but at the moment which which bit is kind of the the bit that you are enjoying the most the most having the most fun in um and why that's a good question yeah um i mean i love i think what this year has taught me is i, I what i love about my job is what I enjoy about my job most and I love working with is the, the, the artists, the songwriters, the creative people, you know, the people that I think, you know, I, I find that amazing. I, I can't write a good song to save my life and, you know, writing with songwriters, working with songwriters and all that. So I really enjoy working with my little roster. There's some super talented creative people on there and it's really great to see, you know, them starting to sort of get some syncs and all that sort of stuff. So I really enjoy that. I get a real kick out of that. Um, but I do like the consultancy as well because it's kind of a little bit like, your your you know sort of experience and and you know you're you're advising people you're you're bringing your kind of or my experience to the table and i enjoy that sort of unpicking almost unpacking i should say my experience going well yeah i mean this is this you could do it like this we can do that so i quite enjoy that at the moment mm-hmm. i'm like i say i'm working with a company uh who offer distribution and uh publishing administration so you know, it's kind of like the new model, I guess. And I kind of like, oh, right, yeah, I've worked at a traditional major music publishing company and this is how we could do it, you know, here. So I enjoy that. Supervision is is great and I love music search and all that. So what I'd love is eventually if, if I, you know, if I carry on doing this is have someone else working with me uh, and sort of building that side up um, as well because I think that's a, a natural fit. So it's a really vague answer because I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying all of it. Yeah, the, but, there are, uh, the answer is... I like all of it, which like is the cop-out answer. It was a cop-out. But I think, no, I think I'll go back to my first thing. The, the thing I like, really love is working with yeah, creative people and songwriters and artists and, and, and finding opportunities for them. And, and I enjoyed that at Sony and I enjoyed that at music sales. Um, I just, I find that, that bit really rewarding. Um, uh, and now I've, I guess I have a bit more feeling of ownership over it. Not that I own the rights, but, you know, I feel like, they're part of my little rocket science sort of family and, uh, yep. and I enjoy, you know, I, I really want them to, I want them all to, to sort of get opportunities and sync, you know, I kind of feel like that. Not that I didn't, uh, you know, the other companies, but so that's, that's probably, that's, I'm, I'm a music publisher. I think uh, that's, that's my, um, you know, I, I totally, I've been doing that for the majority of my career now. And, and that's, that's what informs everything I'm doing, I suppose. Uh, I'm enjoying working with some labels as well, and, and kind of. But I've I've never worked at a major label, I've never, so I, I come at it from the songwriter perspective, I suppose, and, and looking after those sort of rights. Um, so that's that's what I really enjoy, um, I guess. Does that that kind of that kind of answered the question? I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> Does that get a pass? <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, mate, for Thank talking you. to me today. It's been a crack. Uh, it's been a good chat. It's been a good chat. Yeah, nice to see you. And thanks for having me on your show. No worries. Massive thank you to James there for jumping on a Zoom call with me and talking about music publishing and synchronization. Uh, If you want to check out what he's doing at Rocket Science Music, please go to www.rocketsciencemusic.co.uk where you will see all of his consultancy, his music supervision and his sync agency stuff. 
If you would like to get in touch with me, um, please email me at behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can even have a look at what I get up to in the music industry by going to my website, www.dannychampion.co.uk. Um, have a look at the services that I can provide, my background and what I do uh, when I'm not talking to some amazing people in the music industry. Also, find me on Twitter at Danny Champion. Find me on Instagram at Danny Champion. Um, yeah, I think those are the only ones. Um, watch this space for things happening on Facebook and YouTube. I will mention links when I've actually got those things up and running. Um, there's hopefully plenty more episodes coming every other week, so every other Monday. Uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, But for now, thanks very much for listening and I'll speak to you again next time.